This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in your podcast app. We're excited to have our afternoon session uh, kicked off with a panel called Crypt Camp, which you'll see why it's called that in a moment, to really uh, emphasize the importance of social and recreational and community engagement for people with developmental disabilities. Um, again, something that is very important for quality of life and health, health equity. Moderating the panel today is Pat Hornbecker. Pat is a dental hygienist by day and a human civil rights activist most of the rest of the time. She has been very involved with the ARC at local, state, and national levels for the past 35 years, uh, working to create quality lives for all people with disabilities, especially uh, intellectual disabilities, through public policy. Uh, thank you, Pat, for being here today and moderating this very important panel. Thanks, Jerry. Hi, Lucy. Hi, everybody. Um, I am uh, uh, the mother of Joseph, who is 41 years old and has 80, uh, Angelman syndrome. And he lives in his own apartment here in San Francisco with 24-7 supports from the Ark of San Francisco primarily. And uh, he has participated in camps like this. This panel is really designed to help health professionals and service providers understand the value of a social rec program. Social rec programs are good for everyone. And it has often been underfunded or not funded at all for people with de developmental disabilities. And so there are some other programs that have been privately funded, but I would like to emphasize the fact that as a service provider, as a health professional, you can participate in the IEP or IPP process and write in, recommend these kinds of programs because it is something that the, um, the powers that be in Sacramento need to understand are valued by our population. So the purpose of this panel is to demonstrate this. And we have four panelists. Our first panelist is Melissa Chris Cooper. And she has a trailer she's going to show you of Crip Camp. Crip Camp was one of the first documentaries made about uh, a camp for people with developmental disabilities uh, back in the 60s. And it was, it's, it was earth shattering at the time. And people are, um, are thrilled that that started a whole movement to end up providing these kinds of uh, camps all over the country. So, Melissa, I'm going to let you take it away with the trailer. And then she's going to give her experience with camps herself. Wait, you want me to tell them what happened? <laughs> well, two people got cramps and they're spreading. <laughs> we were all very hyper about it. And I have to go shower some people. I'll see you later. I wanted to be part of the world, but I didn't see anyone like me in it. I hear about a summer camp for the handicapped run by hippies. Somebody said you probably will smoke dope with the counselors. And I'm like, sign me up. Have to catch an edit and find yourself. There I was. I was in Woodstock. 
You wouldn't be picked to be on the team back home. But at Jeanette, you had to go up the back. Even when we were that young, we helped empower each other. It was allowing us to recognize that the status quo is not what it needed to be. The world always wants us dead. We live with that reality. At the time, so many kids just like me were being sent to institutions. It was just a continual struggle. Most disabled people, like myself, are unable to use public transportation. We needed a civil rights law of our own. rehabilitation program has been vetoed by the president because it was cost prohibitive. We decided we were going to have a demonstration. You get the call to action. To the barricades. A small army of the handicapped have occupied this building for the past 11 days. So many people from Camp Jeanette found their way into the building. The FBI cut off the phones. The deaf people went, we know what to do. That's how we communicated to the people outside the building. The Black Panther Party would bring a hot meal. We were like this. We are the strongest political force in this country. We will no longer allow the government to oppress disabled individuals. And I would appreciate it if you would stop shaking your head in agreement when I don't think you understand what we are talking about. What we saw at that camp was that our lives could be better. If you don't demand what you believe in for yourself, you're not going to get it. I said you like to see um, the handicapped people depicted as people. Excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> Slide one, intro. As you can see from the trailer of the fabulous Crip Camp documentary, people with disabilities, just like their non-disabled peers, thrive when they have opportunities to connect with social groups, are challenged by physical and creative activities, spend time in nature, and are exposed to new ideas. I can tell you about my own summers at camp. I attended camp each summer between the ages of 9 to 15. Not only did these summer sessions offer my parents and grandparents respites from their caregiving responsibilities, they gave me an adventure to look forward to during my long school vacation. As a first-time camper, I remember being quite nervous waiting to board the bus. I was excited, but also a little scared about leaving my familiar environment and my family, the people who understood me and knew how to meet my needs. I spent that first summer away from home at a camp designed for people with disabilities. Once we arrived at Camp Pavica, I quickly fell in love with the activities like arts and crafts, swimming, and horseback riding. Most of all, I fell in love with the young, energetic counselors, who instead of seeing a kid with a disability, saw a kid who just wanted to have fun. A few years later, my older sister started working at Camp Joe Sherman a Girl Scout camp in the San Jacinto Mountains of Southern California. I heard all her camp stories and knew I wanted to go. 
This camp was intended for scouts of all abilities. They paired scouts with disabilities and high school age scouts who had taken a disability awareness training. These teenage girls helped me with my basic activities of daily living and they made sure I was fully integrated into all aspects of camp life. Slide three, opportunities one. These summers taught me so much about how to interact with the world outside of my familiar home and school environments. I made friends with the non-disabled campers and counselors. Most of my school friends had disabilities, so at the time, this was a little outside of my comfort zone. These social interactions would help give me the self-confidence to navigate other types of relationships. The campers and counselors also saw that disability was just a part of life. Slide 4, Opportunities 2. I learned self-advocacy skills and how to ask for specific kinds of help, like how someone should set the brakes on my wheelchair or help me transfer into bed. I also learned to take risks and trust others. My counselors and aides discovered ways for me to participate in all kinds of wild activities that I never dreamed possible before those summers from bouncing off the diving board in the arms of my sister and her friend to going rock climbing on someone's back. Those summers have a direct connection to my adventurous spirit as an adult. Slide 5, Ongoing Adventures. Today, I am happiest when I am going down a mountain on an adaptive sit ski, climbing over the Rogue Valley in Oregon doing a backbend in our accessible yoga class, immersed in a travel adventure, or riding the whitewater rapids. Slide six to eight, resources. Everyone with a disability needs opportunities to make friends and stretch beyond their own preconceived notions of what's possible. Of course, summer camp is only one example of a social recreational activity. My co-panelists will discuss other types of programs. I wanted to leave you with a list of programs I have either used or have heard great things about. Thanks, Melissa. That was a great summary of, of uh, your experience, and I do highly recommend that everyone look for the documentary Crip Camp and see it for yourself. Our second panelist is Jane Diaz, and she is working with the Arc San Francisco. Her daughter is a part of the Friends Like Me program. The Friends Like Me program is a privately funded program, so it's free to all participants. Uh, it's an after hours, afternoons, evenings, and weekends program of socialization and recreation uh, for people with developmental disabilities. And the mission is really to reduce the loneliness and the isolation uh, by offering night game, uh, game nights and movie nights, drama classes, art classes, cooking classes, 
and dinner nights, as well as community excursions where the participants can, can go out with their peers into the community. Um, it's fun and it's recreational. Uh, there have been modifications made during COVID, but uh, as we've all done that. But uh, it is one of the only ways to get uh, these privately funded programs to people with developmental disabilities because they are very expensive. But Jane is gonna tell us her story and her daughter's story. Take it away, Jane. Good afternoon, my name is Jane Diaz. Today I will speak of the importance of socialization for people with disability. I am a registered nurse. I am a part of the board of uh, members of the ARC. And the most important um, thing is being a parent of a special need child. Based on my experience as a parent of a child with special needs, we constantly fight for services, support, understanding, tolerance, acceptance, and the list goes on and on. When you have a child with special needs, as a parent, you try your best to get all the resources available that you know they need to reach their goals in life. It is important that you receive appropriate education, that they receive appropriate education and special therapies, and they need, for example, speech therapies, physical therapy, and socialization, the most important one. When you visit any services or professionals with your child that has special needs and you ask for evaluations or some type of therapies that will help them, we really need their support and hopefully it will happen at that moment knowing that with their services it makes a big difference in helping them achieve their personal goals. One of the most important therapies in the life of people with special needs is socialization. For individuals with physical and developmental disability, it is very important to find a safe, comfortable, and fun activity in the community. Sometimes they don't have the skills to plan these activities on their own, so they need assistance to make it happen and they really benefit from these programs that make them feel like they are part of the community. We know that benefits of socialization and recreation increases self-confidence, happiness, life satisfaction, gives them meaning and enrichment to their life. Also, physical activity will give them muscle strength, increase in sense being, balance, and coordination. This is my daughter, Jania Diaz. We are very fortunate that she is a, a client of the program of the art. She loves all her activities that she is part of. One of the activities that she most likes is karaoke. She has learned to use the microphone, to look up her music, sing and dance, and it's a fun activity. At this moment, the ARC, because of the pandemic, is via Zoom. But she does have an opportunity once a week to go to the park with her staff from the ARC, and she enjoys playing ball with her. She attends the program 
friends and me, before the pandemic, they would go on field trip. This is a field trip in Angel Island, and you can see that she's with her friends, enjoying a lunch and feeling independent. The following slides are special moments of Jania's life. It is important for them to have friends and a special friends. She enjoy her time with her special friend. It makes her feel valuable. They care for each other and that they, that's important. Celebrations, especially Christmas celebration is one of her special ones that she likes. She loves decorating the Christmas tree, gathering with the family and helping me make the food that we eat. For her birthday, we took her to Disneyland and she enjoyed the trip. She did fun things, new activities, and learned a lot about the world. Having a pet is very important. She has learned responsibility. She's caring and love. In their lives, it's very important they have families that support them. Jania loves Halloween, it's her birthday. She likes to put on special costumes and we, to honor her, we also use costumes on that day. I hope this small presentation will raise awareness of the importance of, the, of people with special needs getting the resources they need to help them to achieve all their goals in life. It can be done. Si se puede. And I will leave with these words. Parenthood is about raising and celebrating the child you have, not the child you thought you'd have. It's about understanding your child is exactly the person they are supposed to be. And if you're lucky, they might be the teacher who turns you into the person you're supposed to be. Thank you. Thanks, Jane. That was wonderful. I really appreciate your comments and I hope everyone else does. Our next panelist is Heather Ostro. And she is a participant in the Friends Like Me program and has uh, her story to tell about that as well as uh, another program. Hi, Heather. Join us. Hi. Hi, my name is Heather, and I want to talk about special social recreation for adults with special needs. It's important because as a child, you have a lot of opportunities in school to interact and socialize with peers your same age, as well as accessible after school programs. As an adult, that changes and it can be hard as an adult with a disability to find appropriate social activities and friends. Two programs that have been very helpful for me are the ARC Friends Like Me program and the Shooping Club and House. The ARC Friends Like Me program is open to any adults in the SF and beyond who have a disability. They offer all kinds of activities like drama classes, holiday parties, 
dances, game nights, and cooking classes. Also, before COVID, we used to go on community activities once a month on Saturdays. This was a great opportunity for me to make friends and explore the city and learn the bus routes in a safe way. Friends Like Me has given me a place to socialize and make friends I would not otherwise have. I have also gotten very confident in cooking, more confident in cooking and better at it. And public speaking because of friends like me, cooking and drama classes. Another recreation program in SF that has been great in my life is Schupenhaus and Social Club run by Jewish Family and Children's Services. Schupen Social Club runs activities in person and on Zoom for developmentally disabled young adults in San Francisco and beyond. It has helped me make friends and given me opportunities to try new things and go places that I would not otherwise um, be able to do in an extremely supportive setting. Because of both of these programs, I have a job at the California's Academy of Sciences that I love. I have my own apartment with support when I need it and a community of peers to play games with and have dinner with once a week. And I feel very independent. Also, I have lots more friends than I did before. Thank you for listening to me speak. And the links for both of the programs are in the chat if you or someone you know wants to check them out. Thank you. Thanks, Heather. That was wonderful. All right. I got to go. Okay. It was good to talk to you, everybody. All right. Thank you, Heather. Um, so that's a personal experience that uh, you can't duplicate. Our fourth uh, panelist is David Dubinsky. He's the executive director of the Pomeroy Center. David, take it away. Hey, thank you very much. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. As Pat let you know, I'm the executive director of the Pomeroy Center in San Francisco, and we're a multidisciplinary program serving mostly adults with developmental disabilities. We serve about 250 every day. And um, we operate under several different, what I would call payment codes. And our largest one is the social rec code. And I'm gonna get into that a little bit later, but I just wanted to show you a quick video from some of our participants about what camp means to them. I, I, I like the outdoors and I, I, I enjoy um, uh, going out to the rafting and then camping. It's, I, I like the outdoors uh, to, to, to go there. Valerie, tell me a couple things you like about Camp Krim. I like, I like swim, sailing, and hike. Uh, s'mores too, downstairs too, and even and even close to the cabin where 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 the swimming pool, where the dance place was. Nice. And I, it, the, my, my my best favorite there was dancing. Nice. I like the food and the service. What kind of activities do you like to do at camp? Um, 
sing on the campfire. Anything else? But that's it. Swimming or hiking. Nice. And anything else while you're there? And on. Nice. Travel is inclusive. The camp and overnight adventures may be the only time that our folks get a chance to have a vacation away from home and their daily program. Thank you for that. So those are just some of the adults who come to our program and they do go to camp and camp might be one or two weeks out of the year. But as Melissa mentioned uh, in her opening presentation, camp is really just a small part of the social recreation program or social, social recreation code. And even today, I walked around our center here and I saw people engaging in a ballet class. I saw people engaging in an art class. I saw people going on a field trip to go down to the zoo and another group going to the Modern Museum of Art. So it's very important for adults with disabilities who are in programs like the Pomeroy Centers and the ARCs and many others around our state to have the ability to be in a program where social recreation is a focus. And it isn't always just about employment. I mean, social recreation is another type of service for adults with disabilities. It's very important to many people. It's a great choice for them and their families. And it gets them into the community, not only for camp, but in their everyday life. So uh, thank you so much for attending this session. And I hope you not only learned a little bit about the importance of camp, but also the importance overall of social recreation as a type of service for adults with disabilities. Thank you very much. Thanks, David. I think it is something that we have to remember that we can put into our IEPs, our IPPs, as well as in, through our self-determination programs um, all across the state. It's just something that we know if we value it, we can put it in, and it's the only way we're going to change some of the uh, budget restrictions that we are operating under right now. Uh, at this point, I'd like to turn it back to Jerry and Lucy to see if they have any questions for our panelists. Yes, thank you so much to all the panelists. That was that was fantastic, and I am so impressed you stayed on time. I can't believe it. That's <laughs> that's that's even greater. Um, and, I, and from my own experience uh, working with um, adults with developmental disabilities and trying to schedule a follow-up appointment for primary care, uh, I've had a number of people who've had to check the giant schedule, their home schedule, because uh, that was took, took precedence over any health care appointments they might uh, want to do or uh, knowing when their camp was in the summer. So 
Um, I, I think this is an incredibly important um, part of everyone's life. And I'm so happy that we did feature it and hear from all of you today. There is one question. You yeah. want to ask that, Jerry? Yeah, there, there is a question in the, uh, in the box. Uh, and I will read that to you all. Are there programs that can help family members navigate these opportunities if there are social difficulties or language barriers? Recreation activities are so important, and because there's a finite number of these centers and opportunities, typically only the savvier families get to them, especially when it comes to the pediatric population. So if you could comment on that, that would be great. Uh, David, did you want to speak to that? You well, I, I yeah, so first, yeah, I'm glad to. So, so first of all, when you're really talking about um, the population, we serve people here from four years old to to ninety. Um, we have an after-school program that provides services to kids who are in the public school system in San Francisco. Um, and it's the only after-school program in the city for kids with special needs. And the whole program is really built around recreation, uh, learning, and socializing. And it's really interesting to see um, children, when they come here after school, sometimes their, their primary school, their elementary or middle or high school teachers will come and look at what's going on here, and they'll they'll make comments like, you know, hey, in our after-school program, those four kids are so hard to handle. That's why, you know, our special ed department sends them to the Pomeroy Center. But when I come to the Pomeroy Center, they don't seem to be acting out. The only answer to that is because they're no longer special when they're here. They're, they're just part of a community of like people. They're not the special ed kids. Um, they're just kids. And there's behaviors for sure, but but there's no reaction to the behaviors. And I think from that on, from that point on, and when you even looked at camp, that that cl clip about the crimp camp right at the beginning of this presentation, you see people who are allowed to be themselves in a recreational, relaxed environment, and they truly, they truly blossom. So I know there aren't a lot of programs. I think one of the things that we're trying to get across here is social recreation is a very important type of rehabilitation. Uh, there's recently been a rate study. I don't want to get into too many technical details, but with what, what the state of California should pay for and how much they should pay. And, and the social recreation codes, one of only a few codes that was not suggested for any type of rate increase across the state. Mm. And yet it's a, such an important type of therapeutic uh, service to so many families and more important to so many people with disabilities. I think we have to be aware of that and continue to educate our legislators um, and families about the importance of of that code. It's very misunderstood. A lot of people think it's only about camp, but for us, it's about 365 days a year of which camp might be five or seven out of somebody's uh, life every year. So I hope that helps. Yeah, I agree that with everything you've just said. I, I know that advocating for these services is difficult and that the same savvy families 
um, are the only ones that find the camps, but they are out there. Ability First is another camp for people with disabilities That's that I think Melissa has also um, had a connection with it at some point in time. Um, I do think that oftentimes we don't realize what a respite it is, not only for the families, but for the person with disabilities. They need a break from their families, from the hovering, from the mothering, from the sistering or whatever that's going on in their families. And it's usually um, that's another code that we use for the um, for getting the services of a camp paid for. I often trade in respite for a camp to go when Joseph was part of the rec center program. Uh, sorry, the Pomeroy Center program. But it is um, it's it's just if unless we value it, it will never be funded. And there are ways to get into these programs, but yes, you do have to be savvy and figure it out. That's why you go to an, uh, the ARC, you connect with other advocates, you speak to other people that know how to do this. I think my name and, and number are in the, uh, in the program and I welcome anyone who wanted to call and contact me for any future uh, advocacy. Melissa or Jane, do you have anything you'd like to add? I listed a bunch of resources at the end of my at the end of my slides, and I was also thinking that a parent resource center might be a good place to ask. Mm -hmm. Good, good, good. Jane, do you have anything to add? I would say that Friends and Me is a program that is really um, helpful and, it, and it's a lot of socialization. Right now it's via Zoom and they have games, they have um, bingo afternoons, they have every third Friday there is a dance party via Zoom, which they enjoy a lot. and. Um, you know, connecting with the art of San Francisco, that would be a way to see how they get into that program, Friends and Me. And you don't have to be a, a participant on you, the Arc of San Francisco. You don't have to be a part of the Arc to be a part of that program. Right. And they really, really enjoy it. It's just fabulous how they, they have learned to even pick up their virtual um, prize when they win bingo. They, they, they win an a, a airplane or they win uh, a, a trip to Hawaii and they just enjoy it. Mm. So I do recommend that program. Thank you. So, so since this is on Zoom, this is actually very interesting because one of the questions is about uh, people who live in more rural areas, if there's some way to access uh, these programs, uh, and is there any transportation provided if uh, to more urban areas if they are only located in in, um, in urban areas? So uh, accessing by Zoom is actually one of the ways uh, to actually bring this out more into a rural community. So that's that's actually fantastic. Um, is there is there a website? Does one go to the ARC website to? You can go to the ARC San Francisco yeah. website. And go to their friends like me program. Friends like me. Okay, great. Um, another question is: If camp is put in an IEP, 
uh, does the school pay for it or is there an opportunity for the school to build a camp? How does that work? Uh, during the educational years, um, the value of this has to be published into the IEP, at which point then they start the regional center and the school districts go through their little dance to see whether or not uh, who's responsible for paying for it. It oftentimes has ended up being the regional center paying for it through respite, um, the respite code, right, David? That's, that's and, that, and yeah, a, that's and a social rec, because it's it won't come under any education code, so it will follow through the regional center, and that's how you would end up. That's how I did it, and that's how most families will have to do it. Okay, um, and so there's a question about what's an IPP as a provider. It sounds like this is a healthcare provider. If I want to recommend clients to get recreational resources provided. How do I include myself in the um, IPP? Well, if you want to be invited to the IPP, you just need to speak to your patient, your client, and say, let's have a conversation about this. And whenever your IPP is, which is usually within 30 days before that individual's birthday, uh, because the funding stops on that cycle, uh, then you start putting in the IPP. And the IPP is the individual program plan for adults after they've graduated out of the school system. Another idea is if you, as a healthcare provider, cannot uh, you know, join, you could also send that recommendation to their service coordinator at the regional center and ask that it be included. Because sometimes it's very hard to... Uh, coordinate all these schedules for people who are going to be at the IPP. So, right. I've, so done, I've done that as well. Right. The participation can be at any level, uh, writing a letter, writing um, you know, on your own letterhead, that's going to make a, lot, a bigger difference. And otherwise, a lot of us are meeting, uh, doing our IPPs via Zoom. But if you, that's even hard to schedule for you as well. So a couple other interesting points. So John Takayama has raised a couple points. One is many insurance programs have wellness, pro have wellness programs accordingly. Shouldn't we advocate for insurance programs to support and fund such programs for people with a disability? Yes, we should be advocating for that. Absolutely. It's actually I, a fa fantastic thing. Nothing more to idea. say about that. Uh, I know that the uh, suburban rural uh, issue has been brought up with the lack of access that people may have for um, access to um, the, the Zoom, wherever they are, whether it's broadband. AT&T has really been working very hard to, to uh, expand that, and so has. And I know that with the different delivery systems in the rural areas and the disparity in service deliveries for people of color, they, the Arc of California has been distributing iPads for people who have no access. And so I know that there are, I would look at the Arc of California, I would look at your, the regional center, because they also do have some of those, um, I can't, they can't fix the broadband, but they can fix the access to the iPads. Hmm. Is there a master list of camps that could be circulated for Northern and Southern California that could be provided to the participants today? 
a master list. I don't really know of one. Melissa, do you think there? It's probably just putting all of our heads together and creating it. Uh, Heather named three, and Jane and I had one, and Melissa had at least um, three or four in hers, and David's talked about. And, and don't just think about the camp as a camp itself. Um, all these other recreational programs that you can throw in on a weekend are certainly also other opportunities. But uh, I think the resources that we have given you in the chat should help us all do some research on an individual basis. But no, master list, until they start funding it, I don't think so. Yeah, I did put, I did put one list in the chat. And really, it's um, if you just Google or you, you can Google it, but it's really very special camps dot com all one word will bring you to a list i think there's like 25 camps in that list mm -hmm. that's a list that we use it covers both uh northern and southern california Thank and you, your, your regional center should also know what's in your area um but they don't always yeah um so um i have had not me. the the question is i've had families feel torn because they need the monthly rest if they burn through their respite for monthly, their hours, uh, they won't have anything left for camp. Mm -hmm. Any advice? Right now it's a trade-off. Um, or there are tuitions for some of these camps and then you don't have to. Um, so, uh, yeah. I mean, it's a negotiation. It depends on all the camps. Many of them are free. Um, and so you have to, you know, contact them. Pat, does does the self determination program have mm -hmm. camp and uh, social rec as um, possible benefit? I mean, when all other avenues are exhausted, it would seem a logical part of their responsibility. It can, it definitely can, because you are the driver of that. Um, you're the driver even in the regular IPT process, but definitely in the self determination program. Yeah, it can be written in. So we've got just about another minute and a half. Um, a question about service codes. What uh, a regional center vendor might use, what service code might, what they might, might use for social rec camps or other social activities? The current service code for social rec is code 525. 525, okay. The magic number. Okay, five, two, five. What, so last uh, comment here. Actually, I think that was, uh, I think that was covered too. So I think we've hit on all of the questions. Um, I wanna thank you guys so much for making the time to highlight this very, very important uh, aspect of quality of life for people with, with developmental disabilities. And Our thank pleasure. you for moderating. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.